Hello, everyone, and welcome to the False Nights. This is the 98th episode of an occasional football ing podcast. I am your host, Zach Pentak, alongside my friend Adam Goffin. Adam, how are you doing today? Footy, Zach. North London sadness, footy. Ooh. You got you gotta ask the question. Which which North London fan base is sadder right now? I, I would think it's Arsenal. No, it's gotta be Spurs. Your club is a mess. The, mm. Arsenal Arsenal lost today, but also qualified for the Champions League next year today. That's so right. I mean that's that's gotta be some sort of consolation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. I, I think I was trying to play a little dramatic there, but it is probably Spurs. There are, there are a few, if any, things that are going in the positive direction there, whereas you're right. Arsenal missing out potentially on the title, likely on the title, but a lot of a lot of positives there. Yeah, been a great been a great season for them. If they come out of it empty-handed, at least they'll have European football and Champions League football next year to to keep them warm at night, if you will. That's true, and a young team that is not is not in a place where you kind of need to assess who who is it time to turn over and who is it time to keep, which I think is exactly the situation at Spurs that we'll, we'll maybe go into a little bit when we kind of recap the the Spurs situation. At, yeah, at for sure. Part of the pod, but you know they've 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 had a few years of of misery. The Arsenal fans, and they've had like you know they've cycled through managers. They've you know they've uh, unfortunately had a few losing seasons where they failed to qualify for Europe or haven't been in the Champions League at least. So trending in the right direction, which is good. Yeah, it is true. It is true. Well, this podcast being recorded on the back, off the back, off the back, on the back. What is off the, the back. Off the back. Um, off the back of the the uh, the pivotal match in the Premier League season, Manchester City hosting Arsenal today. Uh, if you don't know the result, you'll find out in just a few minutes when we run through it. Um, we'll also be obviously talking about the Newcastle, that Newcastle match this past weekend. What a match it was. Um, just absolute, absolute delights for all folks not living in the, the Tottenham Court area of London. Um, and from there, we will af- we'll take a commercial break at some point, um, go into the relegation fight, which still is not over and likely won't be until at least the last, say, two fixtures of the season if not the last fixture itself um before going into a little preview on the fa cup final it's a manchester final hint hint and then you uh you and i will go through armchair pundits and 90 close it up today adam before we jump into talking about today's match between manchester city and arsenal uh the champions and champions elect uh if they might be the same club anything anything you want to shout out no, just want to say how awesome it is to be here on episode number 98. We've made it a very long way, Zach. I can't believe we're here and we're knocking on the door of episode 100. We are. We are knocking on the door to use a, a very, a very, uh, a very common footballing phrase. I like that. Knocking on the door. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be a good one when it comes and soon enough it will. Oh, one more thing before we move on. As we are a Premier League podcast, it would be remiss if I didn't talk about a team that probably four years from now would will now be in the Premier League. That's Wrexham Football Club in North Wales. Uh, congratulations to Rob and Ryan for successfully getting Wrexham promoted as champions back into the English Football League. If you didn't watch it, 
it was a cracking game. They went down after 43 seconds, needing to win to seal promotion. 1-1 at halftime, and then Super Paul Mullen in the second half with a brace to take the Dragons back into the Football League for the first time in 20 years. Incredible scenes at the race course. Yeah, yeah. Wales, the ro- the roar from Wales right there. The Dragons from Wales um, getting back in into the pyramid, into the upper upper echelon of the pyramid an exciting yep. thing um yeah finally, finally finally four teams back from wales in the football league for the first time in a very long time oh swansea cardiff wrexham and do i know the fourth I've they are in league, they are in league two they'll be playing against wrexham next season i've probably heard of them but don't know welsh who is it newport county okay yeah that i would not have caught that one um Cool. That's exciting. Yeah, it is. It'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, can they can they do like a double? Uh, can they get promoted back to back? How quickly can they rise up the ranks? You have to assume that the investment will continue to come in. I read this weekend that Disney is investing in that club pretty heavily because they they get profits from the show, and so they have a very yeah. vested interest in it. Yeah, the shoes. Does the shoot? The show is on Hulu. Um, therefore it's got like the, it's under the Disney umbrella. So that makes perfect mm. sense that did they'd be interested in that? Also, why not jump on the bandwagon now that they're hopping up into the football league again? That's a good point. That is a good point. Um, cool. Well, going from the lower parts of the, uh, the English football leagues to the tippy tippy top Arsenal, Manchester city, you are raising your hand. Is that, oh, you're, is that indicating tippy- the top? The top. Okay. Yeah. We don't yeah. have a YouTube stream, so that was a confusing one for the listeners. Anyhow, uh, Manchester City or Arsenal won today. It was the match that everybody had circled on their calendar for weeks to come, and one that kind of became a little bit more and more, uh, more and more sticking out. Let's say as Arsenal began to drop points um, in the past few weeks. Um, and all the nightmares of the Gunner faithful kind of coming true today. And in a match that Manchester City truly dominated from start to finish, I watched the entire match from a pub here in Denver. Um, and it was it was really running riot. Uh, City, City, just the better team for every every second of that game, maybe maybe uh, pending the, the one Arsenal goal. Yeah, there was no doubt in my mind that this is the way that this game was going to go. Had it been at the Emirates, it might have been a different story, I think, with the Arsenal crowd behind them. But playing at the Etihad, in my mind, Man City had all the momentum. Arsenal was stumbling before this game. And it went exactly as I expected. Um, I think that said, you look at the table now, Manchester City are now two points behind Arsenal, but with two games in hand. So it's it's looking like it's Manchester City's title to lose here. And and I don't think that they necessarily lost it today, Arsenal. I think they lost it mentally in the last two games, both mm. of which they were 2-0 up and both of which they got put, pegged back to 2-2. Um, I just I, I think that's mentally, that was a huge blow for them, especially the lead against Liverpool when they gave that up. Yeah, so so it was it was 2-0 up against Liverpool, 2-0 up against West Ham. 2-0 down against Southampton and then the match today. So all of those yep. matches, yeah, either losing the 2-0 lead or having to come back from the deficit. I agree with you. I think that, you know, Pep Guardiola has been has been nicknamed or it's been said that he creates mentality monsters with his players. And yeah, I, I think you saw exactly that today. His team so sure of themselves, so unaffected 
by the pressure, by the moment, whereas Arsenal really, you know, feeling so much heat under their collar. Um, and we saw it even, you know, on that first goal, uh, a really, really beautiful one by Kevin De Bruyne after uh, a takedown and, and pass through ball by Erling Holland. Um, and it, it was, a, it was a beautiful goal by De Bruyne. I think the finish itself was spectacular, but you have to have questions about how he essentially just walked right through that defense, how he kind of turned the corner on, on Gabriel, a, a defender who has been getting a decent amount of stick recently. Um, and I think from, from that moment on you, the floodgates opened and, and city were everywhere. It seemed as though they had, you know, two or three extra players on the field at all times, closing down space, not letting Arsenal get any sort of possession, um, and yeah, it was just, it was a question of when, not if, once that first goal came in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was really interesting to me to see that first goal, because to your point, the, he took three defenders away from the ball and drilled that shot low into the bottom right-hand corner. There's no way that he should have been given as much space as he was, but um, poor, poor defending on that. I didn't think Ben White had a terrible game, actually. He made a pretty critical um, challenge after yeah. that and block after that that probably saved a goal as well. But they're just they're next level, man. They're they're an incredible team, and that link up play just all game between Holland and De Bruyne, it it it's pretty tough to stop that when they get going. Real Madrid are going to have a hard time keeping them quiet, I think, in the Champions League semifinal. I agree. I yeah, it is weird to say that they are at a totally different level, but it does seem that way. Um, it, you know, watching them in their past few matches, um, they have not dropped a point in the last I think it's six matches now, um, and. It, it's 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 really remarkable to see the efficiency, the kind of like, you know, ticking of that team, the timing of everything. Everything is so perfectly executed. Um, and I mean, KDB getting two goals, one assist, easily the man of the match, ran complete riot um, around Arsenal. Uh, Holland being the physical presence that he was, he got that goal at the very end, but just making and to himself, assist to assists and to assists exactly, making himself just such a nuisance like there's no way you know there's no way to guard him with one defender or even two and three at times uh and then i think john stones as well like he got the goal but he also pretty much had gabriel jesus in his pocket this entire match so which which was an interesting kind of sub story to this game i think jesus coming back to the eddie had for the first time where he really kind of like i don't want to say it was a failure because that's a bit harsh but he never quite fulfilled his potential there um I think the way he started the season before his injury at Arsenal um, made you think that uh, maybe the style of play was what was holding him back there. Um, and you could see after De Bruyne's goal, his first one went in, you saw him trying to kind of rev up the Arsenal players. Um, but I don't think they ever quite recovered after that first goal. It was it was one-way traffic for the most part. Man. Absolutely. Yeah, again, kind of reiterating what we're saying. It, it seemed as though they knew what was about to happen. Um and happened it did uh so so as you said you know arsenal technically has not lost the title now but it would take it would take city dropping points in at least three matches uh to to not win the title and and on this streak that they're that they're going through right now it seems unlikely that frankly they would even drop one point in in their coming fixtures so um I, I would say then, and we, we were kind of alluding to this earlier, like how, how do you look at this season as an Arsenal fan, uh, assuming that City does go on and win the title? I think the only thing you're missing is silverware. I think it's a hugely successful season for Arsenal. Um, I don't think, if you just said to an Arsenal fan at the beginning of the season, 
you will not necessarily go deep in cup competitions, but you'll finish second in the Premier League, push Manchester City to the last seven, eight games before, you know, finally fading away and comfortably qualify for the Champions League. They would have bitten your hand off, Zach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know that you do. <laughs> you like to kind of make those make those analogies of like if you told them that now um, that, that this was going to happen. And I think in this case, you're right. Like it is it is a successful season. You're losing to a team that could go on to do the treble, um, something that is not often done. So uh, yeah. it is a, a, a remarkably good season. And one again, and I think there's an important point. Like there's the one of, if not the youngest team in the Premier League, Arsenal is. You have so much talent, so many players that are still not at their peak. I would argue maybe no players that have really reached their peak. So it's it's looking like it's really only up from here for them. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, super successful season for Arsenal and for Mikel Arteta. Guy's got a lot of stick in the past. Um, there's been many times where Arsenal fans have been Arteta out, and they stuck with him. Credit to the board. They stuck with him, and he's proven him right. I mean, quality eventually shines through, and he's taken his time to rebuild this team, but they'll be up there challenging for many seasons to come if they can keep that core intact. I agree. I agree. Okay, transitioning on to another club that we hope will be oh. up there. Oh, before one we final go, thing. One final one thing. Final thing. I wanted to ask, but I'll, I d- I'll turn it back. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't see how it happened, but I noticed that when Holland, because I only watched the highlights of this game, I, I wasn't able to watch it in person. With the goal that Holland scored, his hair was not in a ponytail, and he had the long hair flowing. Oh yeah. How did he get out of his ponytail? What is the story there, Zach? As somebody that watched the entire game. He just he just took it down. He just decided it was time to let the main let the main roar. And but was it like the Hulk? Was it like Thor? Like that when he did that, he immediately scored a goal, or did it happen several minutes before that? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it was a pretty a pretty short amount of time between the two. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the exact time frame, but it was pretty majestic to see that happen. Um, it was it was it was amazing. He looked like a lion. As he celebrated that goal, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. he he very well could be part lion. I would not be that shocked if I some found out that somehow he has lion in his blood. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, he's uh, he, he's pretty otherworldly at this point. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. He's already broken the record. By the way, that was his thirty third goal. Mention that, yeah, the all time record for Premier League goal scorers. Yeah, and likely more to come. Still could hit forty. Uh, mm-hmm. Still has a very good chance of hitting forty. So we'll, absolutely. We'll see if it happens. Okay, transition is a little less smooth here, but transitioning to another club who has top European and Premier League aspirations going into next season, Newcastle United coming off one of, if not the most resounding victory in decades. Uh, I I personally, in my 15 years or so uh, supporting the club, Adam, cannot remember a victory so resounding, so complete, so statement-creating um, and so absolute Newcastle six Spurs one on the weekend. Um, there's so much to say about this match that a lot of people have said, but just initially um, what an incredible day for, for Newcastle United. Incredible day. And it, it's funny. You should say like the kind of like biggest statement win that you've, you've seen from Newcastle. Cause the other one I think about this season 
coming off the backs of Eddie Howe finishing last season super strong, keeping us up. The criticism that was aimed at him was he didn't beat the big clubs, though. But when it came to like playing the big clubs and when we won 2-1 at Tottenham earlier in the season, for me, that was kind of a turning point mentally. Okay, we can mix it with the big boys now, right? And the 3-3 draw against Manchester City at St. James's Park as well was another one. But we finally took away three points from a big game against one of the big six. And now we get the reverse fixture at home and we pummel Spurs 6 to one somebody else said it was a kind of a changing of the guard if you will and i think that's a really yeah. great an analogy for it that's kind of what it felt like right they felt mm-hmm. like the club club on the outs and we felt like the club on the rise very much so yeah i i was actually going to mention that because i heard a very similar quote about this kind of being perhaps the you know if you're looking at a quote big six perhaps you're now changing two of the teams in that big six with newcastle entering and spurs on the outs i i think with Spurs, it has it's entirely around what happens this summer, both managerially, who leaves, who comes uh, on a player perspective. I've had this prediction for a while, Adam, that Harry Kane does leave this summer. Um, I think he would be it would it would be a very, very bizarre decision of his to not leave. I think everything makes sense for that to happen at this point. Um, but in terms of, you know, Newcastle now entering the fray, this does seem like that statement win. And in the same sense that Manchester City are all but champions now after their match today, it seems as though with this win, Newcastle United are all but Champions League contenders uh, going into next season. It would be very, very difficult to see them dropping out of the top four at this point, um, especially with, you know, two games in hand over Villa, who's in fifth, and a five-goal lead and a much better goal differential. We just saw what they've done to Tottenham. We've seen us play Liverpool, uh, an inconsistent team. You know, really, really good place for Newcastle to be. Yeah, absolutely. And and honestly, I feel like looking at the league and looking at our remaining fixtures, it's very much in our hands, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, I feel like we probably need four more wins from our remaining seven fixtures. Um, And I think it's totally doable. If you look at some of the games that Newcastle has yet to play, sure, we've got a couple of tricky games that I think are are, are potential kind of like tricky ones against teams that are towards the bottom that are fighting for survival. But if you told you, if you told me, like I said, I'm going to use the same analogy again, the beginning of the season with eight games to go, you got to take 12 points from Everton, Southampton, Leeds, Leicester, and Brighton. I mean, you'd feel pretty confident about that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and it's, 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 you know, it's both the fact that the competition is, is relatively weak in terms of the table, but also the fact that Newcastle are, you know, the, I'd say looking at the table behind Villa and Man City, we are the, the, the form team in the Premier League right now. We have the third most points in the last five matches, City, Villa, and then us. So it's also the fact that, you know, we we have all of the momentum going our way. We have all the belief. And that's what, you know, that's what you so much saw this weekend is even after t- 10 minutes had passed and Newcastle was already up 3-0 in the game, the game truly was over after 10 minutes of watching that Spurs team. You you could tell there was no way they had the, the mental fortitude to get back into that match. Newcastle continued to press. They were winning every 50-50 ball. They were, you know, going together. They were, they were moving as this kind of uniform wave, uh, and I think that that's going to continue until the end of the season. And 
it would be it would be it, if we're talking about you know what what you told me at the beginning of the season versus what I'm seeing now for a club. I, I would say if if Newcastle dropped out of the top four somehow in these final seven matches, that would be a massive disappointment for the club, given where we have gotten to at this point. Yeah, I think you know halfway through the season we were up there, and I still maintained that. You know, if we qualify for Europe, I'm happy. At this point, with seven games to go, I'm disappointed if we don't yeah. hold on to a Champions League place for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, so I, I did want to, you know, I don't necessarily want to go kind of play by play through the match because it's been a few days. Folks, hopefully, have seen the highlights, watched, you know, the destruction that we put on to Tottenham Hotspur. But I do want to ask you about a couple of players in specific, Adam. Two players who have gotten. I would say the majority of the plaudits, at least in the second half of the season, Bruno Guimaraes and Alexander Isak. Um, you know, Bruno getting at, at least one assist in this game. I'm not sure if he got more, uh, but just kind of bossing the center of midfield, given so much time by the Spurs defense and, and really picking them apart. Alexander Isak getting two goals of his own, continuing his really rich abatement of form. And I want to ask you, if you're looking at these two players and thinking about let's say the players that Newcastle has had this century, where do you think the potential lies for Bruno and for Isak to kind of, you know, through the years, if they continue at Newcastle and continue on this pace, uh, go towards, you know, that, that place among Newcastle greats. Yeah. I think for me, even, even right now, Bruno Guimaraes is the best midfielder I have seen for Newcastle since Gary speed. Gary speed Mm. is my favorite Newcastle player of all time. You know that very well. Yes. Um, I can't think of a better one since Speedo that has bossed the midfield the way that he does. Yeah, yeah. So, Sp- so like, Speedo, Speedo is marginally before my time. Was he also like a, a real attacking midfielder in the same way that Bruno is? He was. He drifted out to the wings a lot more than I think Bruno okay. does. Um, but yeah, very much an attacking midfielder that chipped in with a decent amount of goals and mm-hmm. just great from a link-up play perspective and never shirked a tackle. Like that was what yeah. I loved about Speedo. He's always kind of getting himself stuck in very much like Bruno does, right? He's always, always putting in a tackle and kind of moving the ball forward. So very much, very much a, I don't think I could pay him a bigger compliment as such a huge Gary Speed fan as saying that I don't think there's been a better player since him in midfield for Newcastle. What about Alexander Isak? For Isak, I think, I don't think since Alan Shearer, Newcastle has really had that talismanic number nine. Um, you know, Shola Amiobi did some great things and chipped in with a lot of goals, like we talked about. Papi Cisse, Demba Ba. Um, there's, there's, there's other strikers that have done well. Cal Molson's done decent as well. Isak is, is probably going to end up being, I think, second to Alan Shearer in terms of the last 30 years, in terms of where he'll end up with his new sky. If we can keep hold of him and if we can, he stays yeah. injury-free, tons of potential man he's he's so good left foot right foot in the air like just bags of talent and links up play so well and makes the game look easy makes it look really easy definitely he he truly is that modern striker uh i heard um one of one of the commentators on uh i believe it was the the bbc this weekend after this match you know making a very light and and kind of cautious comparison of saying that Alexander Isak shows flashes of Thierry Henry uh, and the way that he plays, the way that he he'll drift out to the wing, 
at, you know, kind of e- even the build, like the physique. I know that Isak is maybe a little yep. bit taller and a little yep. leaner, uh, but the way that the way that he kind of glides on the pitch and picks up the ball and is not like I, I would not describe Isak at least so far as like, you know, a traditional number nine. Cal no, Wilson, definitely. Traditional yeah. number nine for sure. But Isak does have a little bit of winger in him, has that ability to, you know, beat a player on the dribble, uh, link up play, drop back and kind of hold up play. Um, yeah, I, I think in terms of ceiling, I, I agree with you. I haven't seen a striker at Newcastle since Shearer that, that really has what, what he seems to have in the locker. Yeah, I mean, and let's, let's be honest. We haven't spent that amount of money on a striker since Ever. Shearer. Yeah, sure. was the most expensive striker in the world when we bought him for fifteen million. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not it's not like we weren't spending big money back then. It's all relative, right? But if you think about the last twenty years, we've probably I mean, Big Joe was forty million, and that was that was horrible. Um, now it turned out to be good because he's a midfield maestro. But yeah. that we haven't had a lot of success with big name money signings. Callum Wilson yeah. argu- arguably has been a really good signing for twenty million, um, but has his fair share of injuries as well. So. I think he is, he has the potential to be, you know, the same sort of ilk of goal scorer as Alan Shearer could be. But I think when you spend 60 million on a player, it's reasonable to have those sort of expectations in terms of the quality that you get for that money. Definitely. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think value for money is there. Uh, and in, a, in an interesting kind of connection, uh, like goals per, I know this isn't really a stat that's looked at, but like impact per dollar is pretty high on ESAC so far, as well as goals per or minutes per goal. And that's an important thing that I have been looking at with ESAC. He has the the second best, uh, or I guess, goals per minute ratio in the Premier League behind Erling Holland. So in yeah. terms of scoring yeah. when he's out there, he's doing it efficiently. He's scoring virtually every match uh, and at least, you know, coming close. Uh, and I think that he, he, along with Bruno, Again, this is on the assumption that Newcastle is able to keep those players. Those are perhaps the two guys that you're building this team around going forward. Because oh yeah, absolutely. If Newcastle if Newcastle is making the Champions League, there will need to be outlay in the summer. Newcastle is not really anywhere close to a true Champions League lineup with the depth that is needed and with the quality across the pitch. I think there are a number of improvements that can be made. But in terms of the two players that you you look at, you build this team around. I think it's those two in the middle. Yeah, um, I will. I will say also, um, you giving a shout out to two incredible players that I think we will build our team around in the future. One player who I think has gotten a lot of stick in the past, um, who we massively missed last weekend in the loss to Villa, and who was instrumental for us in this game, is Sean Longstaff. What an unsung hero he is! Just the work rate, the intensity. We looked a shadow of the team we were in midfield without Longstaff in it against Aston Villa. And I thought that he was a big part of the success and doing the dirty work that allowed Bruno to be a lot more creative and to link up the play so well with, with the forwards. Yeah, I absolutely agree. He might be the best success story of Eddie Howe. Um, of every single player in terms of what he was when Eddie Howe came in and what he is now, I think Sean Longstaff might be the top of that list in terms of the, the level of improvement, the expectations. I Personally, you know, I, I was happy that there was finally a player who came through our academy who was playing somewhat regularly on our first team. But yeah. I, I was not sold on on Sean Longstaff by any stretch of the imagination. And you're right, he has become that the the unsung hero, the the player who you're never going to re- 
you're never really going to remember individual moments that he has, but that's kind of what he does so well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's him or Joel Linton, I think. Those would be the two players that I would say are probably mm. in that conversation. But, I mean, one comes through the academy, one is your club record signing for $40 million at one point. So you have different levels of expectations for both, I think is fair to say. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, also need to give a shout out to, you know, completing the, the midfield three. Another player who's progressed so well under Eddie Howe and maybe even knocking on the door of an England cap, Joe Willick. Uh, that assist for the first ESAC Per, I mean, I, I've been racking my brain, Adam. I cannot remember a better assist ever for a Newcastle player. That was, no. it, was Luka, it was Luka Modric wearing the black and white. It really was. It was incredible. And yeah, I, I don't know that if you asked him to do it 10 times, he could maybe do it two or three out of those 10 times. Yeah, of course. But, but the dude did it. So take nothing away from him. Uh, yeah, he's, he's had a great season. And again, another player that, you know, when he came in originally on loan under Bruce, just was in a little purple patch of scoring and was doing really well with that. But I think he's truly improved as a player, although we aren't seeing the goal return that he once had. What we're getting from him is incredible. So. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Last point on our love affair with Newcastle. There were seasons recently where in the Premier League, we struggled to get a, and we, and we failed sometimes to have a player that reached 10 goals for a Premier League season. We now have seven games left in the Premier League season, and we have three players that are in double digits for the season. We've got Miggy and um, Callum Wilson on 11, and we've got Alexander Izek on 10. Just incredible. We're, we're getting goals from all over the pitch. Um, and it's a great place for us to be a great problem to have, to have this amount of goals in this side. Yeah. Especially from, from goal scoring, uh, goal scoring master, Jacob Murphy, uh, the best, best camera shot of the game, his face after scoring his second goal. <laughs> Jacob, Jacob Murphy has given us so many classic moments this season, just in yeah. terms of like the shithousery that he has brought the little wave um, in the Southampton game after the red card, um, just all of the little gestures that he makes so subtly, the tapping of the watch uh, a mm-hmm. couple of weeks ago, the fake watch on his wrist. And uh, I, I hope that when we go through that reorg in the summer, hopefully after we make Champions League, that Jacob Murphy is not one of the casualties of that because, Lord, he brings he brings something different to the team and he is such a likable guy. Yeah, he, he screams, to make an NBA analogy, he screams bench mob uh, for, for Newcastle. Yeah. Just six, like, Sixth man of the year, right? <laughs> yeah, total vibes guy. Um, but yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's had quite the output recently. Uh, okay, cool. Adam, let's take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we will talk about the relegation fight, which, surprise, surprise, has not really uh, let down at all. We're back with the second half of the False Nines, episode 98. Again, you're listening to us. You're halfway through. You know what's going on at this point. We're talking Premier League. And Adam, let's go from the top of the table, the lofty heights of Newcastle United, to the bottom of the table. We have a true relegation scrap. We've had it all season uh, and continue that trend now. A few Teams in and around the bottom did play today. We, again, are recording on Wednesday, April 26th. Uh, so as it stands right now, going from the bottom, I'll go from 20th to 15th, because in my in my opinion, those are the teams that are kind of really still roped in there. Uh, we have Southampton on 24 points, Everton on 28 points, Leicester City on 29, 
and then just above the drop zone, Nottingham Forest on 30, Leeds United on 30, Bournemouth on 33. All those teams have played 32 or 33 matches. Everton and Southampton uh, and Bournemouth still have one to make up on the other sides. But Adam, initial initial thoughts since last time we we chatted. Um, you know, I, I think one important thing, one interesting thing that I've noted is the the kind of emergence and, and perhaps crawling out of the bottom of uh, the three teams right above that six, West Ham Wolves and Crystal Palace. They were really, really deeply in it last time we spoke and seem like they, they might be, they might be in the clear now. Yeah, they're, they're pulling away They're I mean, Chelsea aren't mathematically safe from relegation at all yet as well. They're only on 39 points and Needs they've to be t- taken one point from 15, Zach. Those, those are statistics that don't lie. That is not, that is not a good return from, from five games for, this big Chelsea big Frank team. Lampard. <laughs> yeah. <It's, laughs> I believe it's five losses in a row for Lampard now. Um, so not, not great. Uh, anyway, I digress. Um, West Ham, I think, uh, have come good. A large part of the success that I've seen with West Ham recently has been their resurgence in front of goal. And I think Paqueta is starting to have more of an influence on that team. He's scoring, he's assisting. Um, he's, he scored again today. So, even though West Ham lost today, I do think that um, he's starting to stamp his influence and authority on this West Ham team. There was a point back in the offseason where we were hoping he would sign for Newcastle and do similar for us. But quality shines through, man. This guy's a, a top player. Is, yeah, a, a starting midfielder for Brazil in the World Cup should not be in, in a relegation fight. And you're right, he he's showing that right now. I, I'd say you know, pairing that with another midfielder getting goals for West Ham, Declan Rice is in a really rich vein of form as well. And I think, you know, there, there is a lot of quality in that team. Jared Bowen obviously had kind of a, a fluky season last year and has regressed a bit, but I think I think still a very good player. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's he had, for sure. He had a really nice knockdown for offside today. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting to to look at that team and the whole season and be like, they're too good to go down. And and now it finally seems like that is the case. And also credit to them, keeping David Moyes on board, understanding that he knows what he's doing. And it seems like that was the right decision. Yeah, I'm I'm proud of West Ham that they stuck out with Moyes because obviously like it's no fluke. He had them up there last season um, and in Europe, still still in Europe. And, you know, cha- they're, they're challenging for silverware. Sure, they might have been pulled into a relegation battle, but they could win a trophy this season as well. Right, they're about yeah. three games away, I think, from from doing that. So, kudos to Moyes. He's managed, you know, what's always a challenge for for teams is the European fixtures and European schedules in midweek, and then coming and playing the Premier League on the weekend. So you've seen a regression in form there, but form is temporary. Class is permanent. This is a good West Ham team, and they will be fine. I agree. I agree. Uh, going one up from West Ham, Wolves, another team that has really vaulted their way out of the drop zone. Uh, I think this one, you could also largely tie it to the manager. After bringing in Lopetegui, they've, they've really shown uh, not only the defense that, that kind of we we identify with Wolves. You know, remember two seasons ago when they were one of the best defenses in the Premier League, um, but also getting some goals as well from, from a number of different players. Um, what have you seen from Wolves that, that has kind of gotten them out of that danger zone? Two words for you, Zach. I said it in February. I'll say it again. Craig Dawson. <laughs> three right. wins three wins in a row at home five goals for zero goals against 
that's the that's the deal for this wolf side is they become harder to beat and especially at home they've been really kind of grinding out some really good results keeping clean sheets keep clean sheets then you can't get beat right that's the that's the motto um craig yeah. dawson has shored that defense up and that's where they were struggling man that's where we're really, really not as good as last season is in defense and now i think they finally started to get it all clicking together um and they're doing great i'm, I'm happy that we've already played them twice I agree. I, I think that's a very good point. Uh, okay. And then the third club that I mentioned there, Crystal Palace. Um, yeah. What, what do you credit the, the resurgence for Crystal Palace on? And I think that, I think that you'll say the same thing as me, because there's one right answer for this. Roy Hodgson. Yep. He's come in and he's done what big Roy does. He yeah. steered, steered them in the right direction. He's got the team spirit up. He's got the belief back in the team. He's got the form players playing well. They're not even playing with um zaha right now but as mm-hmm. is stepping up um they've got all of their youngsters in the defense that are starting to kind of do better there and keep some clean sheets for them it's quality shows man and and hodgson knows what he's doing he's been there he's done that and you know he's he's somebody that despite the opportunities that crystal palace have and the i think they're not as strong in a strength and depth perspective as some other teams around them they've got a few stars um they'll, they'll be fine because of roy hodgson Absolutely. And I, I think it can't be overstated how important the, the kind of vibes that he has brought to the club have been. And this is something I've heard directly from Crystal Palace supporters, as well as hearing this said from people who work within the club or beat writers for the club, that like there was kind of this air, this very cold feeling when towards the end of, of Vieira's reign there. And, and Roy's, yeah, he's, he's a club hero. He's, he's a legend. And I think just having him there has been, it's, it's the anti-Frank Lampard effect. It's what Chelsea wanted with Lampard and what Chris and Alice are achieving with Roy Hudson. Exactly. Well, there the difference is one's got experience and the other doesn't, right? Yes, correct, correct. So, um, so. Yeah. Okay. So, the, so those clubs, those three clubs, West Ham, Wolves, Crystal Palace, seeming like they're likely out of this relegation fight. Um, that said, two clubs that are very much in the thick of things, Everton and Southampton, 19th and 20th. Neither of those two clubs have won a game in their last five matches. Everton, as we said, going up against Newcastle on the weekend. And then we actually have Southampton right after that. Southampton getting a fantastic point against Arsenal uh, last Friday, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it, three, three, three. Yeah. Sorry, getting a fantastic point against Arsenal. Oh, I heard a fantastic yeah. win. Yeah, which they should have had. They absolutely should have had a win, is what I heard. But um, yeah, horrible that they threw it away, and it could be a really costly two points for them if you and, look at it. In that and, and that's the thing is, it's it's a great point on paper, but it might be a little too little too late. And I mean, for both clubs, really, Adam. Like, do you think either Everton or Southampton have a chance at survival? Uh, Southampton are down. Everton absolutely have a chance at survival. Um, I think that Everton are actually probably going to be just fine. Cause again, I think they've got a good coach there um, that can, that can help them kind of achieve safety as well. And that has also been there and done that in Sean Dyche. So um, Southampton though, I think too little, too late. They're just too far mm-hmm. adrift, adrift at this point. And I don't think that they've got the quality in that team to see them safe. They're currently six points from safety to do a game in hand on the team's um, immediately above them in 18th, 17th, 16th. So, but do I think they'll win them? Nope. We'll beat yeah. them on Sunday. We'll beat them on Sunday. So, 
Yeah, that's that's what I think as well. I think Newcastle gets two wins. I think we beat Everton and we beat Southampton, two of the 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 worst form teams in the Premier League. Uh, okay, uh, the other thing I did want to mention uh, it, are the rest of those clubs in that kind of six pack. Uh, Leicester City fills out 18th. They're the final team in the relegation zone. They they have picked up four of their four points in their last two matches, which has been massive for them. Perhaps a little bounce for Dean Smith. But again, still are in the relegation zone. And the reason for that is that Nottingham Forest getting a massive, shocking win today against Brighton, um, putting them out of the zone in 17th, right uh, right behind Leeds on goal differential. Um, and yeah, it, it's going to be a dogfight. I, I think you can really flip a coin between Leicester, Forest, and Leeds and, and say who you think is, is going to get dragged back into this. It's an interesting one because if you look at Forest's home four, they have they haven't been beaten very much actually at at home. So I, I think I wasn't as surprised that they won there against Brighton. They've beaten Liverpool at home. Like Forest on the road is where their problem is. And if you look at the remaining games that they have, their next next few games, they actually have their home games are against Southampton and Arsenal, and then they go on the road against Brentford, Chelsea, and Palace. So all three games in London that's going to be where I think they they run into problems. Can they do it? With the level of investment they've had, they probably should do it. But you mm-hmm. mentioned Leeds and Leicester. There are two teams, I think, that are in big trouble. I don't... You 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 talked about the little bump they had from Dean Smith. I hate that appointment. Um, I don't rate Ooh, Dean Smith. I've never rated him. I didn't rate him at Villa. I didn't rate him at Norwich. And I don't rate him now. And they just, they're they are an aging team. They're a team that has people that are one away from that team. Tielemans has wanted out for ages. Madison probably wants out as well. Um, yeah, definitely. And I, I think Leicester go down. I think Leeds go down. Actually, if you ask me right now, Leicester, Leeds, and Southampton, they'd be my three. Ooh, okay. Leeds look terrible at the moment. They and do. Leeds, rem- Leeds remaining fixtures, Man City, Newcastle, Spurs, and then two of the probably form teams in the bottom half, West Ham and Bournemouth. Um, yeah. Yeah. Shout That's out also to, to Gary O'Neill as well for what he's done at Bournemouth. Cause like they, they were dead and buried when Scott Parker got sacked and mm-hmm. he's, he's worked wonders there with a, with a relatively low budget. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. I, I do think Everton goes down. Um, so I, I think my bottom three is Southampton, Everton, I think Leeds as well. The Javi Grazia appointment is showing nothing uh, in terms Mm -hmm. of bounce. He doesn't really seem to have any sort of plan. Their defense ships goals every single match. Uh, And it was a huge... It was a huge match against Leicester City in which, you know, the tie, the draw that they had this weekend really benefited neither of those clubs. They're both still very much in it. um, And they're both in a place where... Uh, I for, for one reason or another, I do think Leicester gets out, um, but I think it's it's only because Leeds are free feeling right now. Yep, I get I could see both, but if I had to pick one between those two teams, there's more quality in that Leicester team than there is in that Leeds team. Yeah, I think that yep. is true. I think yep. that's true. Um, okay. Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Chugging along, Adam. Chugging along. Um, all right. The one other thing that I did want to mention on today's pod, which might be one of our, our shorter pods in, in a while, uh, is the upcoming uh, FA Cup final. It has been solidified as to who will be playing in that over this past weekend. Manchester City and Manchester United each getting a respective victory. Uh, Man City is coming from a Riyad Mahrez hat trick and Manchester United going all the way to penalties against Brighton uh, before getting that victory. 
uh, you know, at very least for the narrative, you you enjoy seeing a, a derby in the final. Um, but I guess my my one kind of main question for you here, Adam, is: Do you think Manchester United has any chance of winning this match? Yeah, I absolutely do. Yeah, um, I think this is ultimately a second trophy that they're competing for here. They've already won the Carabao Cup against Newcastle. Um, if both teams were playing to the maximum of their abilities, I think City wins it nine times out of 10, but it's a one-off game. It's a cup final, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Anything can happen. It's not a 38-game season that we're talking about here. It's just a single game. The other interesting nuance that I wanted to point out here is this game is on a Saturday, and it's exactly a week before the Champions League final. I think a lot will hinge on if Manchester City are competing in that game or not. To do so, they got to get past Real Madrid, which is no mean feat. Um, but if they are competing in it, I wonder if they've got one eye on that and care a little bit less about this one. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe are even potentially resting some players in advance of that game, not wanting to pick up any injuries. It's it's an interesting layer and nuance to it that I think they, they've got the depth in that team. But if you, if you put your first choice Man United team against your second choice City team, I think the Man United team would probably win more often than not. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I think there could be rotation, but also like that's the credit to city is their rotations can remain to be a, a top team. Like you, Bernardo Silva or Riyad Mahrez, Phil Foden or Jack Grealish, uh, you know, you like Gundogan, Rodri, De Bruyne are the, the starting three center midfielders who played today, but you, you have other quality off the bench. You could even, he could even go full Pep Guardiola and put John Stones in the center of midfield right in front of his defense. So I do, I definitely think he does, has the options there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, if you're a betting man, likely that City will win it. Do mm-hmm. I want Manchester United to win it? No, I don't. Can they? Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, on their day, they, they've, they've been pretty unstoppable United. It just depends on which team shows up. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it largely also depends on can, Rashford kind of get back into that form that he showed right after the World Cup because he has cooled down quite a bit over the last few weeks. But if he is back in his goal scoring ways, then then anything could happen. Casemiro and Erickson, man, if they both plan, Erickson. Oh, that's playing, true. Could you know? they be back? Could they be back? Yeah, Erickson's already back. I think Casemiro's only um, on a suspension. I think so. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that is a very good point as well. Yeah. The battle of the bald managers. That'll be a fun one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, cool. So quick run through the top goal scorers. Adam uh, Erling Holland, as you mentioned before, has set the Premier League record for goals in a 38 match season. 33. Harry Kane getting another goal on the weekend. Uh, a consolation against Newcastle. Completing my parlay for that match. Massive. Hate to lose the hate to lose the clean sheet, but love to make some money. Uh, so Harry Kane, 24 goals. Ivan Tony on 19. He can't stop scoring either. And then Mo Salah quietly in in fourth with 16 goals. In fifth, Marcus Rashford and Gabriel Martinelli on 15 themselves. Yeah, top three top three strikers. They're all English. Erling Holland was born in Leeds. All right, that is true. true I'll story. give that one to you. <laughs> I'll give that one to you. And one and and yeah, that that is a good point. Um, also, two of those strikers will be playing in Manchester next season, and the third will be going to Tottenham because I need to push my agenda. I need <laughs> to push that agenda, Adam. <laughs> we will. Uh, remains to be seen. Um, it's 
I, I'd be interested if if that transfer comes off. I think Tony is Tony is probably the perfect player for Spurs right now in that he's just mm-hmm. going to probably bring down that team spirit even further. <laughs> I mean, I, I said it before, there's nothing more Spurs right now than signing somebody to a contract who is under heavy investigation for, for publicly known things. They did it with Patrici last summer and they'll do it with Tony this summer. Yeah, um, my my boy who does the uh, impressions, it's the it's the one for the for the podcast mm-hmm. before, um, Darren Farley. He did a he did a pretty funny one after the Newcastle Tottenham game, and it's just him doing a Harry Kane impression at the start. But he goes Spursy, so Spursy. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty solid. <laughs> yeah, it was it was, was fantastic. He he kind of goes on like that for about fifty to twenty seconds before he starts talking about trying to force a transfer to Newcastle in the off season. It's pretty funny. Go check That's it out. good. That's really good. Um, all right, Adam. Cool. All right, armchair pundits on ninety. Let's wrap it up. Do you want to go first on armchair pundits, or would you prefer I, will. I do? I, I will. I'll go first, and I'll go first because um, you already said what my armchair pundit is during this podcast. Joe Ooh. Willett gets, gets his first England cap this year. Oh, nice. Yeah, yep. I like that. Yep. I like that a yep. lot. Yep. He's 23 years old, super young, massively improved under Eddie Howe. Great from a link-up play perspective, gets into the box often, eager, eager runner. Um, my other note here was that he totally fits the mold of what Southgate wants from a midfielder. Um, mm-hmm. puts, in the, puts in the graft and is like willing to do the dirty work as a great team player. I just think, like you know, does he start? Probably not. Would would you would he be an impact player player off the bench and give you one hundred and ten percent for twenty to thirty minutes? Of course he would. Yeah, I see. I see Willock getting a first cap this year. I love that. Yeah, I, I I like that quite a lot. When was the last time a Newcastle player got capped? I guess Trippier. Um, but Trippier, Pope, 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 and Wilson. Wilson played in the World Cup. Oh, that's right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah briefly, but that is correct. Um, yep. Yeah. Okay. So my armchair pundit is actually something that both of us have said on this podcast, which is that none of the three newly promoted sides will get relegated this season. Uh, so the three sides that came up last season were Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth, and Fulham. Uh, or, or, yeah, Fulham, although they've had a pretty poor run of form second half of the year, you know, their their first half of the year form has, has gotten them to safety. Uh, and then, as we just talked about, we both think that Forest will survive by the skin of their teeth, as well as Bournemouth. Um, so, yeah, pretty simple in there. Yeah, Fulham, fortunate that they performed so well early on in the season because they are in free fall right now. I, I, don't, I don't know this for a fact, but I bet if you did a league table the last 10 games in the Premier League, Everybody's last ten games, Fulham. Have been I just looked. I, I just looked at that before the podcast. I think that they're like, yeah, fifth from bottom or, or something like that. It, it's they're shockingly yeah. bad right now. So yeah, they get they got they got two wins on the bounce and then and then lost again. So it's yeah, they've been they've been really shipping goals themselves recently. Um, but yeah, glad we both agree on that one. Um, yeah, I'm gonna look I like after, that. I'm gonna look, I, I'm gonna look after the pod on the last time that none of the promoted sides went down. I'm curious about that. Oh, that is a good, good, good stuff. You can pull that. Yeah, For, Forest, I think, are probably the most in danger of that, given their fixtures Definitely. for Definitely. for the for the remainder of the season. But I think they've got to rely on that home form. And by then, Arsenal will be guaranteed second spot. Won't be able to get caught from third. I don't think they'll be playing for a lot of that point. So I think they'll start to blood some youngsters as well. Yeah, I think that could happen. Um, fantastic. 10 and 90. Wrapping it up. Adam, first or second. I have a theme for you this week, by the way. Um, I'll go first and you'll see why in a second. Oh, okay. 
Yep. Um, my theme is either or. I'm going to name Ooh. players, and you have to choose which of the two players that you would prefer, um, either based oh, on best. their form this season, either if you want them to be in the Newcastle side. Just who would you choose right now, today, on April 26th? Ready? Let's do it. I love this. Alexander Izak or Ollie Watkins? In the Newcastle side. Um it could be, or just in general, who would you want if you were founding a team with a, either one of those players? Hmm. I think Isak. It's definitely there's definitely a part of bias there. I, Watkins has been unbelievable the second half of the season. Um, but yeah, I think Isak probably has a bit higher of a ceiling in terms of what the different things he can do with his game. Okay. All right. I I like that. I would probably go the same way, but again, probably also biased. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Number two. Granite Jacka or Ruben Neves? Mm. Mm, that's a really interesting one. I'd say Jacka on the back of this season. He he has had a quite good season for Arsenal. Um, didn't have a great day today, but nobody nobody did uh, on Arsenal. I do like Ruben Neves. I I like him. He. He seems really intense. His celebrations kind of intimidate me where he points at his <laughs> temple and he seems like he's about to combust. But I think yeah. that, yeah, I think that Jaka has a little bit more pedigree on him. Yeah, I think that, that's fair. And he's a little mm-hmm. bit more pr- proven as well. Yeah. Okay, number three, Lucas Paqueta or Eberiki okay. Eze? Mm. Okay, those are a little bit more different. Uh, I think Eze goes a little bit more on the wing. I think Paquetta is a more complete midfielder. Yeah, I think Paquetta is definitely definitely the choice there. But I, I do love Eze. He has a lot of swagger. Um, like in that in that game against Leeds, he was just bawling out. Um, so yeah, that's a good one. Yep. All right. You'll you'll see where I'm going with this next one. Raheem okay. Raheem Sterling mm-hmm. or Ivan Tony. Oh, that's an interesting one. Right now, like right like right right this moment. Sure. Hey, it would be Tony for sure, even though he might get a prison shit. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Tony. I'm going to roll the dice that he somehow evades these charges. But has Sterling been Chelsea? Like, there's obviously a good player in there. Yes. Oh, yeah. That, well, that's what I mean. Like, Sterling, when he was, you know, playing, he was at one point the best player on England. Um, yeah. And, and scoring it every game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But right, but right now, it would be out of Tony. All right. Two legends of the game to finish this off. Number five. You ready? Mm-hmm. Dominic Solanke. <laughs> okay. Or or Danny Welbeck. Ooh. It has to be Welbeck. It has to be Welbeck. I do sure? like that one. I think I Solanke, love Solanke. Solanke has had a good year. Philip Billings also had a good year. They they mm-hmm. partner up well. Um, yeah, they remind me of the old Burnley sides where it's just like, let's get two big, big bruisers up top. Uh, but yeah, Welbeck. Has he has you know he did well at Arsenal he, he has the pedigree I I also love I like Danny Welbeck a lot I have nothing against Lanky but I think Welbeck seems like a really funny character I don't know if you've seen this but he'll post photos of him with uh oh shoot what's the player's name on Brighton the really really small player give me a oh second here. um yeah 
Oh yeah, the Terry Clampty. So he'll post photos. Oh, Lamptey, you're talking about. Go he'll ahead. post photos of him and Terry Clampty and caption it like "Just got my son back from grade school" or something like that. Like, what? What is a character? I really like him. So random Tariq Lamptey conversation yeah. that I had yeah. last last week. Mm-hmm. Went to New Orleans for the weekend. Got picked up by an Uber driver. He was Ghanaian. And we started mm. talking about like Ghanaian football. And he was talking about some of the players that have now kind of converted over, Tariq Lamptey being one of them. Do you know who the Ghana head coach is right now? So Ghana head coach. Since the World Cup. Did they fire that guy who's the real character? Is it one of the IU brothers? Yeah, well, but who is the who is the coach now? I'm saying. Yeah, is it one of the IU brothers? It is not one of the IU brothers, no. I don't know who it is. Chris Hutton is the manager of wow. the Ghana Ghana international wow. football team. Yeah, that is a weird connection to Ghanaian Brighton players. We were like, no Lampy. way is we were like, no way is Chris Hutton the that's manager crazy. of Ghana. We Google it. We're like, what? So wow, yeah, he was a- he he dropped some knowledge on us there about like him and Tariq Lamptey. We didn't realize that he had a Ghana call up. He's not mm-hmm. he's not he's not going to play in the England team, is he? Let's be honest, he's not that good. Um, well, he's, he's, yeah, he's also so, Ghanaian. Um, or, yeah, maybe he is. No, like he's English. born. He's he's born in England, but I think he's got okay. parents. Yep, got it, got it. So, that's a so. that's a great connection. That's a great yeah. connection. Remember, remember when everyone was like, "Yeah, Brighton really like Brighton really screwed up by getting rid of Chris Hutton, and he's a great manager, but like Brighton has gotten better in like Brighton has the plan. Brighton, there's no team that has a better plan right now than Brighton. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's good time to be a Brighton fan for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, All right. Good. Last, okay. Last, last, last for, last for yep. you, my friend. We're going to yep. do the Welsh word for you. You ready? I have a pen. Yep, I'm ready. You've got a pen. All right. I like this. I you can it tonight. I did. I will spell it for you, my friend. C-Y-N-T-A-F. Shine shift. One more time. Like one oh. long breath. It's way it's it's a lot easier than you think it is. It's cuntaf. Cuntaf. Does that cuntaf. mean whales? That is is that the word that's no, like on the Welsh flag? That's, that's Cymru. You're very close though. Yeah. Very good. The C Y N. Yep. C Y M for Cymru though. Instead of C Y N this time. Yep. What does what does cuntaf mean? Uh that means broccoli. No, you're way off. Um it means <laughs> what what I went today first. <laughs> All right. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Nice. Very. Yeah. I, I wish I had like a running list of every Welsh word that you've given me written down. <laughs> they're all, they're all somewhere. Like I've got, I've got them all saved somewhere. So I'm sure. Yeah. Um, okay, cool, cool. My theme for you is uh, on the factual side. Uh, whereas yours were the, those fun hypotheticals. I quite enjoyed that. Um, so I, I did a theme today of Pep Guardiola, um, who some would Ooh. say is the best manager in the world. Um, so I wanted to ask you some Pep Guardiola questions. Let's do it. Question number one, which position did Pep Guardiola play for the majority of his career? He's a midfielder, right? Where? Defensive midfielder? Defensive midfielder. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Pep Guardiola was a defensive midfielder, long-time Barcelona, and then he bopped around places. Uh, but yes, that is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you a... Uh, a plus minus of two. How many trophies did Pep win as a player? 
Oh, for Barcelona, it's got to be a lot. Let's go 10. 17. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I thought it was 17. a good amount. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Adam, I'll, I'll give you a plus minus of two. Again, how many trophies has have Guardiola won so far as a manager? As a manager. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for going. Um, he's won a lot of cups in several leagues. I think you're trying to trick me, Zach, so I'm going to go 17. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is far more than that. He has, oh, almost, doubled, he has almost doubled it. He has won 33 cups uh, or no uh, trophies way. as a manager. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, question number four. Uh, who was the manager that preceded Pep at Barcelona? At Barcelona. First job. His first job as Barcelona manager. Who was the manager he took over for? That's hard. I'll give you nationality if you'd like. Yeah, go ahead. Nationality might be helpful. Uh, he is from the Netherlands. Dang it. I My first instinct was Ronald Koeman. Is it Ronald Koeman? It's not Ronald Koeman. Is it Cruyff? Nope. <sighs> Who'd it be? Pass. Frank Reichard. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I forgot Frank Reichard was there. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Cruyff is a good guess, uh, as well as Komen, two, two Deutsch, uh, Dutch men who have managed Barcelona. Um, okay, your fifth and final question, Adam, out of left field. Uh, Pep, a native of Barcelona, has an opinion about if Catalonia should be an independent nation state, is he for <laughs> or against the independence of Catalonia? <laughs> what a terrible, unrelated question is it? I love it. Um, <laughs> he seems like he's pretty liberal. Let's go. He's for it. He, he's for independence. He is. He is vocally for independence of Catalonia. Yes. Yeah. That is correct. Okay. I like that. that good, is, on, that good, on, good on. Good on. Good on you, Pep. You're a good guy. Good on you. Good on you. Um, all right. Nice. Good stuff. Yeah. Man. Do we keep it under an hour though, Zach? We actually might have. Like, no joke. We we might be pretty close. Um so we're cutting it here, Adam. We're gonna cut it right now just so just we add can a little bit of a filler at the end here. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, yeah, that was the, the 98th episode of the False Nines. We're gonna come back in a couple weeks um to give you the 99th episode, and then again we'll be hitting a hundred uh, right at the conclusion of the season. Um so, yeah, good stuff. Good cool. fun. Until next time, Zach. Until next time. Footy. Peace. <laughs>